A reading from the Gospel of John. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave, leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the word gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before this occurs. Gotta pray that these scattered remarks would help us see your son, the lamb, clearly this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. It is not my practice usually, to preach on one verse. I am one of those preachers that likes to preach on a passage. But as I read this passage, um, I couldn't get past this whole week, uh, this one verse, the very beginning verse. Verse 23, those who love me will keep my word. And my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them or abide with them. This verse from the Gospel of John describes how we are to prepare prepare our homes, a metaphor, of course, for our hearts to host divine guests who are going to take up residence within our lives if we choose to let them in through obeying their words. The biblical scholar Andre Latz points out that abide or to make our home with is John's preferred and primary way to characterize discipleship. If you're going to consider yourself a disciple of Christ, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, then you, this abiding aspect is going to be the relationship that you must have with him, with both Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father. You must allow Christ to abide in you, to make his home in you. Abide, or the Greek word minnow, and its cognates show up, and this is remarkable to me, 40 times in John's gospel. Abide signifies to stay, to remain, to dwell, to lodge, to last, to persist, or to continue. You've known me by now, two and a half some odd years, and I think you could say, you might say, that I'm a pretty extroverted person. I like people. It was hard to be a pastor and not like people. 
Um, and I enjoy people coming over to the house. I enjoy visiting people. I enjoy good friends, lifelong friends, coming to visit from Texas up to D.C. to stay a while. I enjoy going to friends' homes and visiting and living life with them for a few days. But I must admit, I must tell you, I must confess that I am fickle. When friends or when family come for extended visits, I set aside days, not hours, but days to clean and to prepare for their arrival. Now, don't, don't get the wrong impression. I'm not an unclean person. I do not live in an unclean house. We aren't messy people. We aren't hoarders. Our house is generally picked up and clean as clean as it could be with two children, but it is generally clean. But when guests come, when guests come, we both, and I think I would feel safe to say that both Mary and I feel the need to step it up a notch, you know, to move from clean to pristine. The bathrooms are cleaned twice over. The kitchen sink is scrubbed. The beds are made so tight that a drill sergeant could flip a quarter on it. The rugs are shook out. The windows are clean on the inside and the out. And by the time our guests arrive, our house, I think, looks a bit staged. Perhaps like nobody lives there. And when the guests inevitably say, oh my, your house is so clean. Oh, we say, it's, we just tidied up a bit. It's not that bad. It's a... Little do they know that my hands smell like bleach and my lungs are filled with soot from cleaning the fireplace, which is new to me because I never had to do that in Texas. But to be honest... I'm not sure why we do it. Uh, While I am cleaning, I am always asking myself the question in preparation for these guests, why am I doing this? It's not like my family or Mary's family is going to come to our house and see our generally clean house and love us less. It's not like our friends are going to drop by and see that the bathroom towels aren't folded in the right position and say, Uh, let me take a second thought at being your friend. I I guess we do it, and this is how I justify it in my mind. I guess I do it out of a sign of respect. But to be sure, the confession here is it's not how I or we really live. Who really lives like that? Especially with two wonderful kids bouncing off the walls. I think the truth is, though, that Jesus isn't telling us that we have to be perfect, that our hearts and our lives have to be perfect for Him to abide with us. In fact, our sin nature tells us that's impossible. But He does say, if you love me, we, we, will come and abide in you. There's an old tale of a Roman painter who was wandering the streets of Rome looking for a beggar 
who he thought would uh, personify the prodigal son just at his lowest point, right? When he's with the pigs and right before he decides to come back to his father's house. You can imagine the, the mud and the, the muck and the mire that this prodigal son would have looked like. And the painter wanted to paint the prodigal son just like that. And so he began wandering the streets of Rome looking for people who, were, who he thought would look similar to that. And he found one. One he thought was perfect. He could picture him. He could, he could see the portrait. And he went up to the fellow and he said, I want to paint a portrait of you. And naturally, this beggar was shocked. And the painter said, here's some money for you to come to my house. Be there tomorrow at noon. Here's the directions and I'm going to paint a portrait of you and some money for your time. The beggar shows up the next day. The painter opens the door and doesn't recognize him at all. The beggar has combed his hair. He's bought new clothes. He's shaved. And he says, I am ready for my portrait. Sadly, the painter says, I can't use you. The beggar says, why not? I've cleaned up. Surely I look better today than I did the day before. You, surely you... you can use me. And the painter says, you don't understand. I, I wanted you just as you were. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you. I honestly can't tell you how many Christians I have seen. And I do it myself sometimes, I think. I, I try to clean up their hearts before they let Christ in. Or they say, you can come into this section, but not this one. They love him so deeply that they don't want him inside just yet because they want to clean up their lives first. So they get on their knees and they try to scrub the old crusted sin out of their lives and they scrub, and they scrub, and they go to church, and they go to church, and they do good works, and they scrub, and it just won't come out. The sin stain is too deep. The mold is set in. And they sit frustrated while the Holy Spirit is waiting outside, ready to simply wash the sin away. And their whole lives they clean to no avail and they turn judgmental and petty. Individuals, churches, families, happens to them all. But to those who love me, Jesus says, but to those who love me, we will come in. There's nothing more, well, there's a few things more disappointing, but it's pretty disappointing, at least to me, when I prepare for guests to arrive, where I clean the windows and the bathrooms, and I mop the floors, and I vacuum the carpets, and I do this all. Just kidding. 
And then the call comes in. Legitimate, most of the time, sometimes not, most of the time legitimate. And the seeking feeling hits. Let's take a rain check, shall we, they say. And I can't tell you how unbelievably comforting it is to me to read this verse and know that Jesus says, I will never, ever, never, ever ask for a rain check. Nothing will happen. Nothing will come up that will keep us from coming. There will be no delays. Those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and we will make our home with them. Something odd happens at the end of this verse, doesn't it? The heart home becomes Christ's home. I'll never forget, I I was nine, ten years old and Our family went to visit a distant relative living in Illinois and a cousin of a third cousin, fifth removed. And we finally arrived after our long road trip from Texas and the cousin opened the door. It was from my father's side and he opened the door. His wife wasn't there. His kids didn't greet us. They were watching TV in the den, and his wife was in the, her room, I believe, and he showed us to our room where the bed wasn't made, but there were some clean sheets thrown on the, on the mattress. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, I know my parents heard this conversation too because I heard it. I overheard the conversation by the husband and the wife in the kitchen. The wife said, these aren't, these are your family. They're not my family. And so we made the bed and we politely left the next day and stayed in a hotel. In Christ's home, if we allow our hearts to become his home, I think John is trying to tell us that there should never, ever, ever be any unwelcome guests. In fact, the mark of a heart where Christ makes his home is that nobody is turned away. Oh, to be sure, guests will let you down. They will steal from you. They will be unkind. They will return grace with judgment. They will say, look at that china, isn't it cheap? But to John, the mark, the mark of a disciple is how we welcome the Trinity and how we welcome others into our hearts and into our lives and into our churches. You've heard uh, that we had our deacon retreat 
yesterday. And maybe it's because this verse was swirling around in my head. Um, But one of the deacons said, one of the weaknesses of this church, they thought, was um, that there was not a mat outside that said all are welcome. That there are some of lesser financial means who, if they walked through these doors, would feel judged and unwelcomed. Now, whether that's true or not, whether that's a indictment or not, whether that's fact or not, the biblical fact remains we are judged as disciples of Christ on who we say is welcomed and not welcomed into our hearts, into our lives, and into our churches. And that's why I think it is altogether appropriate that it just so happens, it just so happens that we have a table prepared for both guests and residences to eat at this morning. Let's pray. Sometimes, Jesus, I I hear you standing at the door and knocking. And I want to clean up before I let you in. But this table and this time that we are about to have... is the complete opposite of that. God, this symbolizes us opening the door to our hearts and saying, Lord, clean it all up. Amen.